You are welcome to the Nigerian Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Damlola Orimoguje. He's a writer, director, and producer. He has directed short films such as Family and Losing My Religion, and his debut feature, For Maria. We talk about the making of For Maria, his process, and what he's currently working on. If you're a new listener, you're welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Dami. You're welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Hey, hello. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Damilola Ori Mogunje, and I'm a film writer, film director, and a film producer. How did you get started in the Nigerian film space? Um, pretty much I started off as a writer, you know, just you know, writing anything that makes sense, that comes to my table, you know, and then trying to own my own skill, you know, as a writer as well. Then I'd worked, you know, um, in a TV station as a TV producer. Mm. And that was a rigorous process, you know, because you're like kind of like churning out projects, you know, by by the hour or by the week, you know. And yeah, so that the next thing was me actually morphing into being a film director when I started directing um, short films, then from short films to more projects and then, of course, you know, to like feature films. Okay. So at university, I saw that you were editor-in-chief of the university newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that where your writing like, started university or you, you are always a writer? Funnily, um, I, I I think I grew up with a sense of storytelling, you know. So as a kid, I've always been very, very, you know, attracted to good storytelling. So I would, you know, talk about films. I would imagine films, ideas, and um, but I just kind of like morphed that into just writing, you know. So I would write anything, poetry. Um, I'd, I had a bulletin when I was in secondary school, which I was publishing and I was popular for. You know, uh, when I was in uni, I studied mass com to become a journalist because mm-hmm. I was a writer, you know. Um, I'd written a book which wasn't published to at some point after secondary school, you know. So my my, my my kind of my journey was like going to me being a professional writer, creative writer, you know, until I stumbled <laughs> on film. And then, yeah, so I just kind of like um, transferred you know, that's writing skill into just writing for film. You know, <laughs> my side of us writing creatively, you know, just creative writing. Yeah. Over the years, you made a lot of short films. How was, you know, your experience the first time you made a short film? Uh, my first short film never came out. <laughs> Actually, a lot of my first short film never came out either, you know. Um... So I feel like at the beginning, because I didn't exactly go to a film school, you know, like I said, you know, was I was studying mass com, which is more literal. Mm-hmm. Um, the only closest, um, the closest um, attraction I had, or you know, or or form towards filmmaking was a studio which my school had. Then you know, it was like an editing, there was an editing suit. They're, they're like all these JVC cameras and stuff, you know, in there, you know. So we just go there myself and my friends and just you know play with the cameras record random stuff you know edit random stuff you know and it was just like really interesting because it was really hands-on and i mean i prefer that to you know what i've been doing with my time which is more literal you know i I wanted to i wanted to collapse the literal form of my storytelling ideas you know into being able to actually even make them visual as well because i also like good visuals too you know so yeah that was my kind of like my first introduction to film like what happened with these two films that you made that they never got finished yeah so i mean they were were just bad decisions you know like decision making you know in terms of like 
um, as a director, as you know, even as a producer, you know, or as I was pretty much, you know, I didn't know what exactly to do, you know. So we're just winging it and trying my luck, you know. So they were just like terrible, you know. It, sometimes I think my first film, I wanted to do like a seamless take, you know, just one longer take, you know, for like 15 minutes. And I didn't consider the fact that, you know, you need to have like a focus puller to pull the focus, you mm. have to. You know, do all that things. I just went and I started filming, only for me to get to post and I'm still blurry shots. I'm like, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do with this? You know, and of course, I I just didn't want to release trash my name. You know, so I just kept doing the next short film until I was able to make a short film called Family. Mm. You know, and that is like my official first short film. You know, that was one that was closest to what I intend to do as a filmmaker. And thankfully, I mean, it got like a bit of traction, went to some festivals, you know, um, people got an award, you know, and, you know, we're just like, yeah, okay, I think I know where I'm starting from now. And then, of course, each, my next short film just shows that, you know, it just builds me up, you know, and then there's, there's an advancement of, you know, there's a growth, you know, process. You can see that I'm learning more, I'm learning new things. And I feel like it's the same way, you know, for me, even to my next project, my next project, you know, I'm just learning new things and yeah. just becoming better as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, this, um, your official short film, first short film, Family, was a close reflection of who you are as a filmmaker. Like, what about it was, were you like kind of in alignment with? Hmm. I, I, so, I mean, the kind of films I, tend to do you know kind of like aligned with like social issues stories and complex characters complex and yet simple characters you know like simple characters but like complex um psychological thoughts or psychological um trauma that they are going through at, at what point um also a reflection of you know the way i want to do i want my performance to come out you know and then also using like minimal dialogues and focused on emotions and so basically these are like my trend in terms of like themes and in terms of like style mm. in which i approach in storytelling and all these were in, in family even though I, I wasn't exactly i mean looking back at it i can't i can't watch it you know because i don't like the visuals i don't like the shots you know but there's still a a, a reflection of what my core you know, right now as being as a filmmaker. So I feel like it's like a beginning, it's a proper beginning space for me to start. You know, like, okay, yeah, this is, I've got it right this time. Okay, now now to build up and, you know, get better and then perfect the skill. And yeah, I think what looks like my first style, like in terms of my style, you know, it will be losing my religion, you know, uh, which I did as my third third film, yes. So that feels more like my style in terms of visuals and then tone. Okay. I mean, looking looking back at that first film and, you know, you're going on to make your first feature film for Maria. Um, How would you say you have yes. evolved? Man, a lot. <laughs> a lot because... Um, um, I, I watch a lot of films, you know, I, I immerse a lot of, you know, cinema in, me, in myself, you know, so um, from that period of time to when I made For Maria has been me, you know, trying to conclude and experiment what I want to do, you know, like what my voice should be, you know, visually and then also storytelling wise, you know, yeah. world cinema and then of course in Hollywood. Um, and I feel like it changed. I feel like my my work, you know, for Maria feels more, it feels more authentic and it feels more, you know, controlled, you know. So you can, I mean, you can see like the deliberate, the deliberacy of, you know, some certain decisions, you know, mm -hmm. shots, you know, uh, music, you know, like basically all the artistic merits, you know, were very, very intentional, you know, cop um, but while I was making my other shots, then, you know, I was just like, you know, sometimes I have like the ideas, you know, but, I start putting them into fruition in post, mm. you know, because I didn't really think them through or I don't have like a strong command basically of, you know, of, of the film, mm. you know, but now, you know, with For Maria, it's more, it's more defined. And even now, like, because I made For Maria 20, you know, we shot in 2019. So that's like four years now, yeah. you know, so I've changed also and evolved as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. Yeah. Um, how long did it take for post production of For Maria? Bruh, it took it took one year. 
Okay. Yeah. And um, I mean, I guess you had a lot of time for the film to change in post. Um, so for, you know, like, especially in Nollywood, um, a good percentage of the industry tend to, you know, rush post-production. What benefits can a project yeah. have from, you know, you know, taking time to refine it in post. Yeah. So, um, so firstly, funny thing is, you know, what we shot for Maria, I kind of shot what I wanted to see. You know, even with the scripting, um, it was very, it was very simple and very limited. You know, so visually, everything I wanted to see, you know, I was taking probably just one shot, one take, you know, multiple takes, but one shot on set. You know, like there were no cuts. You know, no multiple takes because I don't need them. You know, so even in post, it was a bit easier. You know, to actually just assemble the, you know, the rushes and then the timeline, and just go with that narrative. Um, but I think one of the things I enjoyed with the long time in post is the fact that you can always come back to it and always come up with better ideas on how to, you know, probably move transition to the next scene or how to cut a scene better yeah. or how to use this music, you know, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, people do not give themselves that time to to reflect on their work and, you know, you know, fine-tune it to when it's almost perfect, you know. Yeah. So you rush into writing, you rush into production. No, you rush into writing, you rush into pre-production, you rush into production, you rush into post. Until you watch the film three years later as a filmmaker, then you are seeing minimal, flimsy mistakes that, you know, you just giving it more time would have shown your eyes to see. You know, you'd have seen it, you know, you'd mm -hmm. have seen continuity issues, you have seen all that, and most time, even experts, you know, working on that ridiculous amount of timeline, you know, cannot deduce those mistakes. And that's why I feel like a lot of times, you know, films come out in Nigeria and then you have audience that do not even have, that are not even as, um, you know, that are not experts, like, as you are, you know, and have seen silly mistakes in your films, you know, because it was rushed. Yeah. You made a lot of short films before for Maria, I think about five or six. Yeah, they're about yeah, um, I mean, for a country where most people jump into their first feature, you know, how did those five, six films prepare you for your feature? Uh, like I said before, it just makes me more aware and more intentional about what I went to, the decisions I went to make mm. on my first feature film. So even though it was my first feature film, it didn't feel like I was, it didn't feel like I was making my first feature film, you know, like... It didn't feel like I was I was naive about you know what I wanted to do. I mean, it was the first time I was making that form. You know, the lens is just the difference. You know, but I was very much aware of what I wanted from my actors, from every department. You know, and they gave me an entire control. I'll tell you, hundred percent control on every department. You know, and it also made me learn that because I mean, making short films. And then at the end of the year, like, okay, maybe there was a problem with the cinematography, and oh, that is why. You know, this, oh, the performance is good, but the cinematography is not so good. Oh, the cinematography is good, but the performance is not so good. Oh, the art design could have been better, you know. But now, I realize when going to for Maria that I have to man every department, you know. Um, especially when you're working in, a, in, a, in an industry where the budget is very limited. You can't exactly hire, you know, like, you know, all the best hands, you know, and even, like, even the most experienced hands. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't have enough time to you know, to play with ideas, you know, you just have to, like, go make that shit done, you know, like, immediately. So, I, for me, it was a proper pre-production, you know, that basically controls every decision, you know, that was made on set and um, even in post-production. So, that was a great lesson for me, and, yeah. I mean, over the years, your films have been selected to over 50 film festivals when did you discover you know the power of festivals to you know um propel a filmmaker's career um to be honest i think i learned that from so i told you i made family um yeah. a short film which i mean that was like the only short film that made sense then it was selected to a festival in ghana and that was like their first that was like their first edition um i'd gone to the festival with stanley Ikware, um um, there's another guy called Joe Baka, mm. a Nigerian filmmaker, and then um, Fidelis Duka of Abuja Film Festival, you know. That was me, new to the industry, and then we went to this festival. It was it was just like an insane 
um, experience, you know, in the sense that we're watching good films, you know, relating with filmmakers from, from all over the world. Um, that opened my eyes to like a lot of things, you know, so the possibility of making film that transcends, you know, our locality, you know, yeah. you can make films, you know, that resonates with other people, other parts of the world. And that was me seeing it firsthand, you know, from my first project. And it just immediately in Ghana, I just knew that this is the kind of filmmaker I want to be, you know, filmmaker that, uh, you know, that makes projects that definitely can travel, not for the essence of, oh, I'm traveling, but for the essence of just being able to showcase my work, you know, to globally, because, you know, my story definitely can resonate with these people. Yeah. And um, I mean, from, you know, this 50 plus um, festivals that your films have been screened at, I'm sure like you, you have seen the good and the bad, like for you as a filmmaker, what kind of festival atmospheres do you appreciate? Well, um, so the thing is, for, so, so it's, so, it's so dicey and it's so funny because um, there's some festivals that are like really big and do not exactly showcase, you know, young filmmakers, especially filmmakers coming from like Africa or, you know, you have like a small film despite being, you know, selected in that festival. And there's some festivals that are like very, very appreciative of new voices. And I mean, those are the kind of festivals you want to go to, you know, because there's so much respect, there's so much attention. But I feel like my best uh, festival experience definitely will be Benali this year. <laughs> okay. um, that's for all the colors of the world. Uh, I mean, it was it was mind blowing because um, we, we had our world premiere, you know, it was was a big sight, you know, you're on the red carpet, walking through, this is something you've wished for, you know, earlier in our careers, you know, myself and the director, you know, being at, you know, in in world cinema, like the best of the best, you know, and then being presenting your work and then the the way the films were taken, like you're screening to people that actually understand film, yeah. that love cinema, you know, and they watch the film, they, you know, what the convention you have, you know, it's not just about, oh, I love your film. It's about the kind of convention we have with them, you know, and then you see how much they actually respect your work, you know, and I think, you know, sometimes that is not seen, you know, in our own terrain when, you know, people watch your film and, <laughs> you know, they, they do not exactly understand or yeah. they do not exactly appreciate it. You know, we don't really appreciate arts, you know, in mm. this in this area of in this our area. But you see people that actually appreciate arts and then just kind of like moves you, you know, to want to make films, you know. So I feel like, you know, it was a massive, massive, awesome experience, you know, for me and the team, you know, because of the atmosphere, the, the reaction to the film. We won an award also. It was just like, you know, icing on the cake. You know, um, but generally, you know, I think every filmmaker should tend to go to festivals that appreciate new voices, you know, then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you also got a distributor at the festival. Yes. Film. Actually, we got a distributor before we went, before we screened. Okay. You know, I mean, the fact that we had the Berlinale logo on our film, it got a lot of traction. You know, we had like people pitching, you know, press agency pitching to work with us sales agency pitching to work with us you know it was it was great yeah and i mean you're the producer at that point you know how do you like were you just um you know um surprised with all the attention you were getting and how how were you able to you know kind of take a step back and you know kind of sift what is good for your film um i wasn't surprised really because you know before we made the film, I told the director that, you know, if this film is not going to X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, you know, there's no need to make it. And again, I said this because, you know, I it, it kind of like puts us in the in the level of quality that we want to control for the film, you know. Yeah. So if you're making some certain decisions, if you think it is not quality enough for where we're trying to go, then there's no need, you know. So putting that at the back of my mind, when Ben Ali came calling, you know, it was just like, yeah, you know, we, we saw it coming. Um, but the traction really, you know, um, was great. You know, I, I mean, funnily, I thought that, okay, yeah, we're going to go to Ben Ali screen, you know, just have fun. You know, but we got to Ben Ali and then it was, you know, the film was a favorite, you know, almost everyone's favorite, you know, yeah. people will see the, people will see us walking, you know, um, talk about a lot the lead afterwards at the festival, you know, they'll see him and then of course see us and know that we're the team from all the colors and then, you know, starts, you know, sending out praises, you know, and, and all that, you know, it was just, 
it was fascinating you know um back to your question i think i missed your question for example you said um people were pitching to be your sales agent and all that like yeah at that point how you know it's kind of like a new a relatively new world for you how do you decide as the producer you know what's good for your project yeah so i, I mean first of all we we had we had goals for the project, you know, goals, ROI goals, you know, financial goals, you know, creative goals, and then all those things. So I feel like, you know, basically we're just trying to compare and, you know, resonating with most of the meetings we have, you know. So if you have like people pitch the ideas or what do you want to do, if it resonates with our goals, you know, then we are one step closer to working with the person, you know. So even till now, you know, you know, um, with offers that we are on the table now because we actually got a lot of offers you know it's still in, in relation to does it align with the goals that we want for the film you know and i feel like for me personally you know that's what has actually kept me grounded you know I'm, i mean i'm I've, i learned i've learned a lot of things you know in the last few months you know from just you know going to the festival and you know the selection itself and crazy you know like new things that i should learn as a producer myself you know things i should know even minor things that i probably did not think about before yeah. you know so it's 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 just been like an eye-opener you know and then of course playing on that level you know which is you know like the biggest level really you know and you know it just adds a lot of experience you know to me as you know now beyond as a writer and a director as a producer you know and then those lessons definitely i'm taking to my next project yeah Okay. Um, you were a jury member for, I think, last year's edition of the annual um, film Mischief. Yes. Um, first of all, what do you think about the Nigerian Film Festival space? And how do you think the few that we have can support in discovering new talents for the industry? Um, as regards um, festivals that basically support new talents, um, I think, you know, like you mentioned, um, Film Rats Festival, you know, I, I think I think it's one of the festivals that basically just, you know, spotlights, you know, um, new voices at ours, you know, and that was like a genuine, you know, like um, win last year, you know, with the films that were shown, the filmmakers, you know, that attended the bond, you know, I, I think there's also the, the, I mean, not I think, there's also the assistant festival, you know, which also showcases, you know, um, unconventional films, yeah. you know, at house films, you know, I feel like there's, I mean, I really like that when I, you know, the two, you know, even though they are still like very fresh, but I think basically what it does is, it's, it's basically introduced, introduced um, to the filmmakers in the industry who do not, know that you know there are films you know that are beyond just the mainstream kind of films you know the hollywood or the conventional nollywood kind of films you know so you pose your eyes to actually seeing that you can actually tell stories you know in different forms and also basically you know um also helps filmmakers that are also making films alike you know to be better you know and and of course if your work is getting played you get traction for your work it makes you want to be better and just Creating, I think those two festivals have really been, you know, doing that. You know, um, there is Africa also, which is, which is a fun festival. You know, everybody wants to go to Africa to have yeah. fun. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, can you also mention some directors that inspire you? I feel like everyone that knows me knows that I'm, I'm, I'm in love with Wong Kawai. You know, Wong Kawai is like my, he's like my mentor, my role model. You know, yeah. um. I mean, um, I really love his work. Um, I am a fan of Ijma Begman, the Swedish director. Yeah. You know, um, um, I love Terence Malik. Um, I love. I'm a fan of Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of Christoph Kidlowski. Um, he's a Polish director. Um, basically, my my my, uh, my 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 kind of films, you know, like. I mean, kind of like tends towards art house and, you know, like, yeah, art house basically. So I'm a fan of this first directors I mentioned. Um, I mean, I have like many other people, but yeah, but those are like the main deal for me. Yeah. Okay. You said, you know, for some of the films that you had to bury, you, you didn't like, um, you know, the way they looked visually. For you, yes. you know, how have you consciously, you know, tried to, 
improve your visual taste? Where did you start from? Were you into photography and how have you built on that? Yeah, so I mean, um, when I realized that there was a deficiency of, you know, my visuals looking the way I wanted them to look, I put more effort into like, you know, watching more films that are more visually appealing. And I think that was why, I, that is why I actually really like Kawai because, you know, I got introduced to his work at that time. And I just loved what he did, you know, with, you know, how the vis how visuals can be so appealing and then still minimalistic at the same time, yeah. you know, and not too much. And then, of course, still very purposeful in how it resonates with the storytelling, you know, and that was just the catch for me. And, you know, and it was me training my eye, you know, to see what I want to feel, you know, on screen, mm. you know. Um, so now I find myself understanding it more and, you know, tending to want to break new, you know, boundaries, you know, as regards what I get visually. Yeah. And how has it been, you know, like working with DPs? Have, have you had any instances where the DP pushed back a bit? Because, I mean, everybody <laughs> likes their space to work, you know, how has it been? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so, so funny thing it is, uh, if you, most of my work, actually, I have like a consistent DP I work with. His name is David White. And so because David White is my friend i mean we've known each other for years you know and um uh, kind of like my you know his family now you know so we work with one accord you know so even when i'm trying like okay i want to show this way i want this this way you know there's a synergy you know to how we marry that connection but of late i mean i've over the years i've actually worked with like other dps you know and there's always been honestly a you know that that fight you know that friction you know yeah. where the dp wants to I keep the scene, you know, and I'm like, I don't like, I mean, I've told you so many times, I don't like, I keep lighting, I don't want TV lighting. I, I mean, it just goes on and on and on, yeah. you know, but yeah, I mean, I know that I can be a very stubborn person when it comes to, you know, what I want and then what I get, you know, so we'll find a way to just make it work. Yeah. But I feel like recently now, people just trust me, you know, and just feel like, yeah, he knows what he's doing, so just follow up. <laughs> All right, so um, what's that one movie that if you're stuck on an island, you'll be happy to keep rewatching it over and over again? In the Mood for Love by Wong Kawai and maybe Decalogue by Christoph Kiblowski for series. Mm. And what was about them? Uh, um, firstly, in, uh, in the Mood for Love is like one of the most brilliant films ever made. You know, it's gorgeous. It's very minimalistic. It's very feeling, you know, with emotions, you know, the pictures, the the dialogue, the how poetic the film feels, you know. And like I said, that was like the first film I saw Wong Kawai that basically just introduced me to his cinema. And then I feel like I've actually, you know, benefited and taken a lot from, you know, um, the same way Barry Jenkins and um, Andrew Dosumu actually have emerged from the cinema. I feel like it's the same way I have also. Oh. Um, so it's very iconic for me that way. With Decalogue, Decalogue was the first series I saw and just blew my mind away. You know, um, I'm, I love films that have like very deep um, philosophical, you know, um, portrayal, you know, um, depth in terms of, you know, how um, reflective, introspective they are, yeah. you know, and that film basically, you know, shows that, like, it's talking about social issues, as I want to say in my work, but then again, in a very artistic way, in a very brilliant way, you know, because I've always thought filmmaking, basically, is meant to be done by people that are brilliant, trust me, you know, because, you know, your your brilliant mind basically morphs how you tell the story. You know, you watch a story and like, what the fuck was this person thinking? Mm. You know, how do you think about, you know, this sequence? How do you think about the shots? How do you think about this line? You know, and I just feel like it's a genius work, you know, that every decision that was made in, in the series, you know, storytelling especially was just like mind blowing, you know. And then of course, if you've seen his work trilogy, the Colors trilogy, that's red, blue, white, you know, phenomena as well. But, you know, but the series, the catalog, I, I rave about it all the time, you know. So if I'm stuck in an island, just give me those two works and I'll binge and I'm okay. <laughs> nice. Okay, um, let's move to for Maria. How did you come about, you know, the idea for the story? Where did it start from? Um, so I was supposed to make Diajai, which I'm currently working on as my first feature film, you know, but 
at the point I realized that, you know, that I cannot make it because of I could not afford the film, you know, at that time. Mm. And um, judging by what I could afford, because I was supposed to um, 50% self-fund the film in a way. So, you know, I, I knew that I had to make something smaller. Um, I saw uh, Michael Anake's Amor, um, the film that won Palm Dior. You know, I, I, I'd seen it again, you know, around that time. You know, within my frustration period of what what should I make as my first feature film, I saw the film and then it's just like I mean, if you've seen the film, it's just you know uh, centered in one location. You know, in fact, ninety five percent of the film was in one house. You know, and just opened my mind to okay, I could make a family drama. You know, and set it in one apartment. You know, I started thinking what it could be. You know, and I was having a conversation with a friend about postpartum depression. You know, just random conversation, yeah. and it was very electric. You know, and I'm like, you know, people don't know about this. Uh, people don't know. People don't talk about this. After my conversation with my friend, you know, I saw a thread on Twitter, and it was started by a lady who had talked about her experience with postpartum depression after she just gave birth. You know, and you know, other ladies follow suit, you know, talking about their experiences too, you know, and, you know, the next one hour of me just reading the comments was just like, you know, mind blowing and jaw dropping. You yeah. know, at that point, I knew that, I knew that I had the film, I knew that I had the story, you know, so I called my friend back and I said, I think I have the film, you know, and then, you know, and that was it. Okay. How long did it take for you to write it? And did you do like more research or the thread was enough? you know, material. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, immediately I knew I was going to do that. You know, um, we went on, I think we went on for like another three, four months, you know, going back and forth. Firstly, like the first, first two months, like going back and um, back and forth about the ideas, you know, uh, I also wanted um, a female perspective to the story, you know, so I'd, you know, I had the, the, the services of Tony Femi, my friend, you know, to also co-write the project. Um, you know, we actually researched, you know, talked to real life patients, you know, talked to like media experts, you know, like people who work, you know, like, who have seen cases, you know, people who work in the hospitals as well, you know, because they are familiar with the fact that there are actually people that a lot of women in Nigeria suffer from postpartum depression, you know. Yeah. So it was it was a mystery, you know, that was just like opening and it was very difficult, you know, putting everything into one film. You know, especially a film that you do not want to sound or feel like a an advocacy film and yeah. tell it, you know, in an artistic way. Okay. Megatama's portrayal was especially gripping. What conversation did you have with her? Um, so ever ever since I sent the script to Meg and she agreed to be on the project, you know, we will spend the next few months, almost four, five months. Or, or maybe more, you know, um, discussing the ideas, you know, discuss, if I would discuss each scene, uh, sending our materials, the kind of films that I really, really enjoy and, you know, the kind of performances, you know, that the kind of performance I enjoy and then the kind of performance I think that suits this film, you know, um, I think one of, uh, I'm trying to remember this film, it's an Argentine film, it was one of the the and something I can't remember the film. So it was one of the films that I actually sent to her. You know, like I want the perf the performance this way. You know, and and it's a film that they they follow suit what she did in the film, which is you know very strong, very poignant. You know, but then again, still very contained and not you know melodramatic. You know, yeah. because it could get to that level because of you know pain and you know anguish and grief and all that. You know, but yeah, so. It, was a lot of conversation and then almost every day we talk about you know each scene each line each you know we're so engrossed with it together you know <laughs> and on set it was easier because you know we were speaking the same language you know we knew what she i knew what she was going to do next you know even though she was you know she was just terrific she's a terrific actor you know no doubt and you know she brought everything i can say this for you she brought everything yeah. on that project you know, she gave it all, and I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that I got, you know, the 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 acclaim that it's gotten, in, you know, for for just the performance alone. I'm so glad because she gave everything. Yeah, and um, what was the casting process like? How did you, you know, end up with Meg? Um, Meg has been a friend. We're supposed to work on a project on losing my religion, but we couldn't because of scheduling conflict, you know. And when I when I was writing for Maria, 
you know, I, I started thinking of wood to cast in the entire industry. And the name that came to my mind was Meg because, you know, even though we didn't work then, we're always going to discuss um, films, you know, I mean, which which I really like. I like to discuss film all the time, you know. So we'll talk about films that she's watched, you know, and, you know, and I realized that this person has the same sensibilities, you know, as I do as an artist. And she looks like the character, you know, why not? You know, so it was, it was easy casting for that role. Um, the one that kind of like it was issue was casting for for the husband. Yeah. I wanted the film to be in Igbo for some strange reasons, you know, um, and also cast the an Igbo actor as the husband, you know. And then we talked to like almost ten actors, if I'm not kidding, if I'm not mistaken, mm. you know, ten actors in the industry, and you know, so they just couldn't jump on the project for one reason or the other, you know, probably time or you know, just different reasons, you know. And it was just really frustrating because. Um, I wanted to shoot, you know, soon, you know, then I can't remember who said, I think it was Meg, you know, I was like, what, I mean, why can't we make the film? Or what, I think Tunde, my friend, you know, like, why don't we make the film in Yoruba? Why you, why do you want to make it in Igbo? You know, and at that time, it just makes sense to, you know, look out for Yoruba actors. And the first person on that list was Gabriel. I'm a big fan of, you know, Gabriel over the years, you know, so I just knew that was it. And, and then we already casted, um, we already cast Tinamba, you know, as a mom. Um, and thank God Nanamba could speak Igbo, she could speak Yoruba, you know, so it was easier. Um, Judith, I'll do Demibao, you know, um, Judith is family, you know, she's a very good friend, you know. She was the person that was going to jump and support me on the project, you know, with my ridiculous rates at that time. Um, Demi, I saw in a short film with Nengi Adoki, which I thought was, his performance was beautiful. And I just, I have this thing where when I see people perform so well in something random, I just like pen their name down, like, oh, I want to work with this person. So I just give him a call randomly, you know, that, oh yeah, I saw your work one time and then I just would like to work with you on this project. And he jumped on it, you know. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun casting. I mean, it makes sense that um, Meg was a friend and, you know, she engaged with you. You know, you guys discussed for months on, you know, the character and, you know, she watched reference material. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know of a whole lot of actors that, you know, are that engrossed in the material that they'll, you know, kind of give you time to, you know, break it down for, for them. I mean, I, 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 those are the kind of actors I want to work with, you yeah. know, and, and I know they, there are a lot of them in the industry, you know, but I mean, um, the biggest of our ad will probably just be Meg. You know, again, still even fall back to she adding so much weight for the role. You know, I said to her, you know, from my conversation, that I didn't want to, I didn't want prosthetics, you know, for her belly, you know, and all that. And she's like, so what do you want? I'm like, um, I actually made a joke. I was like, do you mind getting pregnant? You know, and just like, let's make this real. Yeah. I was like, I'm not serious, you know, but what she did instead was, you know, to add weight, you know, like physically and, you know, at a lot of junk and all that. And then when she showed me the progress, you know, she would send me her pictures every day. You know, it felt like we're in a relationship, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, look at my, look at my belly now. Look at my, my shrinked hair now, you know. And we kept doing that for days, you know. And, you know, we're just like a very, very seamless, you know. And at the end of the day, because we actually knew what we're doing, you know, with the end goal. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, I mean, even with our project, all the colors of the world, we, the actors we had worked with were, you know, were people that were ready to, be involved in the project entirely yeah. either i'm producing or directs also with casts crew that would want to give their all you know on the project yeah i read that um you did the color for for maria in south africa the sound in canada and the music in the us um hmm. you know how did you you know how did you end up with that post-production plan was it circumstance or you know you had um you know kind of planned this from the beginning yeah so um i started off my career building up relationships you know in a in a certain way where i just reach out to people online you know if i fancy your work you just reach out and then you know look at possible ways in which you can collaborate you know and i feel like that was how i got if i love people on my team right now and some of them, you know, outside the country, you know, um, I realized because, you know, we're in the 21st century, you can literally do projects online without even seeing the person. Mm. Um, so Tom who was the sound designer. I'd worked with on my short films, 
you know, and we've never seen each other before. <laughs> then um, the colorist was recommended by someone in the industry, you know, and I've seen his work, you know, I wanted the color to be done, not exactly outside the country, but just to be done by someone that has the same ideas, you know, that, you know, vision in terms of how I want the visuals to be represented in the film. Yeah. And of course, you know, um, painting the black, you know, the skin tone, which is, you know, like, you know, they definitely immersed in the film. Um, so, yeah, so it was was intentional because I just wanted the best for the projects, you know, not really because I wanted to take it outside the country, you know. The same for all the colors, you know, most of the post-production was done outside Nigeria. What other, like, you know, practical ways have you kind of, you know, pushed for, you know, better collaboration? Because it's one thing to, you know, work with other people and then there's a way you eventually get better at it. So, you know, how how do you kind of get the best from the people you're working with? Working with new people, for me, you know, it's about how much we align on the same vision. You know, um, as the leader of the park or as the director of the film, I have a set vision, you know. So if I share with you and we can resonate with it and agree, you know, and you understand it as much as I understand it. If I even better, because I believe if I'm talking to a sound person, you understand sound than I do, because that is, you probably went to school, you know, to study it. That is all you've been in all your life, you know. Um, so definitely, if you understand my vision, you can bring out the best. And I, like I mentioned before, I like working with people that give 100%, you know, um, into projects, you know, um, that leave the project, you know, and that want to elevate the project as much as I want to, you know. So most times, if we can agree, you know, before we actually even get to the project, it's almost like a meeting where, you know, you read the script and I'm, you see me looking like, <laughs> you know, like an overjoyed kid and asking you, what do you think about the film? You know, I'm, and I'm not saying it in the aspect of you, wanting to come and, you know, praise the film or praise the script to me. But I want to see and hear how much you understand what I'm trying to do, you know, um, even before I've explained anything to you. So most times, it's easier for me to work with people that just align with me, you know, yeah. with vision. And of course, me also, as a leader, making sure that we stay on that same vision from the beginning to the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, for one of the short films you did um losing my religion you adapted um the script from me i think a book or a short story so um you know how was that experience for you um so firstly the press was brought to me by the the author of the book who had seen my previous work and liked them you know i wanted to make a film out of a short stories you know um there are about i think about six short stories in the book so she sent me the book and asked what story I would like to um, make as, as a film, you know. So she gave me that freedom. Um, I'd read the different stories. Um, and Losing My Religion was, I think, the last or second to the last. And it just kind of clicked. It clicked because um, I could see myself in the story in some way. Um, I could see how it affects the society. I mean, like I said, I, I also like discussing societal issues that, you know, people do not really talk about. And this is like religious um, fanatism, which is the core of, you know, Nigeria and African being right now. And mm. and people don't talk about it as much, you know. So that basically attracted me to the project. Um, I wrote it with the 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 author i mean firstly because you know the the first creative writing itself is from the author you know so i had to transcribe into film scripts and also you know change a couple of things you know and then um you know i, I think i twisted the ending of the film you know and it was 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 actually quite um, an enjoyable process because you know the author as well um Nikke Kame Fatoki, she's brilliant and 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 of course we just wanted the best for the project you know so it was both of us going back and forth with ideas, you know, what to do with the film, you know, how to tell it visually, which is, you know, quite different from literal form. I am a big fan of adaptation, book adaptations. You know, I, I love the fact that I did this marriage because it's still something I want to do, you know, moving on in my career, like adapting, you know, uh, my third feature film is that it's a book adaptation as well, you know. Mm. So, so starting with this, it's... It, you know, it was pretty much good. You know, it was very good, you know. And from the feedback we've gotten, people that have read this book and then have seen the film, they, 
you know, we, I think we didn't do, we didn't, we didn't exactly do bad, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always the conflict of, is the book as good as the film? Is the mm-hmm. film as good as the book? And, you know, which is very dicey, but yeah. But it was a very good experience. Yeah. So I loved it. And um, you were, you were in Ouagadougou um, workshopping your new script, Gea Jai, when a coup broke out. How was that experience? <laughs> It was actually a fun experience because um, <laughs> there was a coup outside the, you know, outside Oaga, and the hotel where we were lodged were actually throwing a party. <laughs> so my friends then would call me and they're like, "Oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you safe?" And then I'll just like, you know, do a FaceTime with them or send them videos of, you know, of, you know, of my colleagues and my friends, you know, dancing themselves in the pool you know yeah. like with no fear in their heart you know and then at some point we're like okay we're gonna die tonight let's die enjoy it you know so it was just like really fun you know um though there was the tension you know but i feel like i was the most tense as a nigerian guy because yeah. i'm like what's going on you know let's do something but um and of course it was gunshot like random random gunshots while you're dancing to a wheelie or something it's crazy um but yeah i mean it was actually a fun experience because I mean I've never experienced a coup before and yeah so being inside one I mean maybe it didn't really exactly happen you know but was like a period of it you know um I like it you know bucket list check yeah. nice you know what what can filmmakers benefit from you know going to story labs with their um scripts I think I think what people need to understand you know uh, actually in our industry in Nigeria is the fact that everything starts with the film with the script sorry everything starts with the script and everything starts with the story you know most times we have good stories and the storytelling is not good enough or can be or could have been better you know so what scripts um, or film labs you know does to you especially for writing workshop is that it it's it stretches your your thoughts and your um, mindset about what your project can be you know, and I feel like that is very important. You know, most times you have a good work, you know, it can be great. You have something that is okay, it can be better. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes your idea is just good to even go into is into writing, you know, into film in the first place, you know, and then film lab basically just opens your idea. You know, I mean, there's a lot of constructive feedback about, you know, your characters, your film, you know, sometimes you think you're in your on your 10th draft and it's probably just your first draft, you know, because mm-hmm. you have like a lot of work to do, you know, and I feel like that has the most tedious aspect of filmmaking, the writing stage, you know, so it's, you know, having multiple people, you know, go through your script and give you feedback, you know, it, you know, and then these are people that are quite, uh, they understand the, the power, the tool of storytelling, you know, so it's, it's remarkable. And then of course, it just gives so much layers to your film and Waga, I mean, after Waga, I got into another script, um, Film Lab in Tunisia, which I'm going for in April. And all this, you know, and all these writing labs in which I've done for this film has opened my mind to how the film can be better. You know, like even me understanding the film I'm doing more, you know, like understanding the character, understanding. So it's, 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 it's a very, very great um, initiative that I feel like every filmmaker every filmmaker should definitely be part of at some point. Um, moving to the Nigerian film industry, of all the things that, you know, plague the industry in the way it's run or, or the way it operates, what do you think should be our priority in, you know, kind of improving? Okay. Um, I mean, firstly, I don't like talking about the industry, you know, because it, there's a lot of things to say. And I, you know, I, <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel personally, you know, I feel like there's a lot of um, knowledge deficits, you know, um, in the industry. You know, I think the exposure level of the industry is very limited. You know, a lot of people do not know more than the confinement of what goes on in the industry and at large, you know, the the Hollywood space, you know, which most times feels unattainable because, you know, you can't even... You can't even assess the kind of budget and the kind of the spectrum in which those films are made, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just fantasies, you know. Um, I feel like the knowledge level in terms of, if I towards everything, you know, towards you know making films, 
you know, towards treating people, towards, um, you know, process. You know, I think it's very, I think it's very off, you know, because I hear a lot of things about how people work, you know, how things are being done, you know, and I just like, you know, you know, you can't keep making films this way, you know, and then for someone that's very optimistic about the industry, I mean, I keep saying we've got, we've come a very a long way, you know, from, from where we're coming from and, you know, and I mean, there's, there's a spotlight on Nigerian, Nigerian entertainment industry generally, you know, we can see with Afrobeat. I feel like Nollywood is next in a way, only if, you know, we are filmmakers, you know, that basically want to do the right project, you know, that want to do the right thing, you know, um, want your film to be the best that you ever make, you know, not just making a, an okay film, you know. So there's a lot of spectrum, you know, but I feel like majorly, you know, there's, you know, knowledge exposure is very limited, you know, and how can that be curbed, you know, I, I think would be having more conversations really. And then also, you know, um, Having filmmakers, you know, actually expand their views and mind, you know, towards what they know, you know, which will be, you know, watching films abroad, you know, it doesn't kill, you know, but it's sad. Sometimes you have in conversation with filmmakers and they don't know who, you know, I don't even want to say Tarkovsky, they don't even know who Michael Neke or, you know, even Asian cinema or whatever. They don't even know what they are because, you know, they believe you're copying somebody else, you you both. And when I hear those things, even from like, you know, top filmmakers, it's, it's very embarrassing because, you know, how do you do, you know, how do you represent, you know, this sect, you know, in world cinema, if you're not familiarized with what other people are doing, you know, so I feel like that's like a major thing for me, you know, which most time also transcend into how you relate to criticism, which is very below par, you know, in our industry, then also how you do. Um, relates to even the audience, you know, you know about arguing audience if they they are smart enough to enjoy some certain kind of films, you know, <laughs> or not, you know. Again, all of this come from knowledge, experience, exposure, you know. So I feel like, you know, there's a deficiency a lot of that in the industry. I mean, that's just like a surface level. What I think should change. Um, you mentioned you are going for another story lab. Is that for your script, Diajai? Yes, it's for Diajai. Okay, so. That's what is cooking. That's the next project for you. Um, so apparently, I have so I actually have three projects that I'm working on right now. Um, in different capacities, you know, but in the capacity of writer, director, producer, or co-producer, I'm working on Diajai, my second feature film. Then a limited series. It's a four-part limited series on Clifford Oji, um, um, which I'm collaborating with some some people as well you know and i'm writing and directing that so that's also that will probably come out first you know i'm shooting that this year okay that will likely come out before the and i'm co-producing a short film you know for yeah a, a a very good short film you know so basically those are the three projects in front of me right now okay so how can people you know um keep up with you know when you're dropping news and things about your projects where can they find you? Um, social media, I'm Dami Gunje, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Dami Gunje. Um, yeah. Thanks, Dami, for coming on The Niger Filmmaker. Thank you so much, Sele, for having me. Um, I love shows like this because, I mean, I feel like this is a solution to, you know, the knowledge deficit I was talking about because, you know, the more we speak, you know, about ourselves, about our work and process, the more it enlightens, you know, other people. And so I'm I'm always glad when I see things like this. So thank you very much for your contribution to the industry and yeah. for having me on, on your show as well. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Selegal Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.